Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I catch up with Sutu. He's an uh, artist from Australia who does a lot of comic book art and also focuses a lot of his attention towards futuristic mediums of art. Um, it's a really interesting chat uh, and I learn a lot. Um, but a really big thing for me for this interview was the second half where we delve into his technique to getting an art grant. Now, uh, I've never applied for an art grant, but I know a lot of artists out there that do. And um, it always seems like a daunting thing to do. But uh, Sutu's applied for many of them over the years, and he's you know really good at getting them. Uh, and he goes through his technique and really um, breaks down all the points you need to know in, uh, in regards to getting an art grant. So if you're interested and you've... Uh, got any plans on getting an art grant down the track, I recommend getting a pen and paper out and taking note. How you going, Stu? Pretty good, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. So like, so what's your background? Because I, I knew you were, like when I was speaking to you the other week, you were in Tokyo, but um, but like you're obviously Australian. So yeah. Like, what, what's your background? Um, from Tasmania originally, um, and uh, kind of like studied a bit of um, graphic design and multimedia sort of stuff first, um, and then went into like got a job as a web designer like way back in '99. I kind of dropped out of my course and and then went into web design like back in '99 when there was a bit of a web boom. Started learning Flash on like Flash website design and stuff like that, so more interactive stuff. But whilst I was doing that, I was also doing like a lot of illustration and at some point I wanted to quit being a web designer and just doing illustration and then I got into doing like skateboards and snowboard designs and things like that. But then I got bored of just like kind of one image uh, sort of designs and kind of wanted to have a bit more substance than just like a one-off graphic. So I started getting into um, drawing comics and writing stories and then at some point like I kind of wanted to I, I I never kind of read comics like I always just read websites so at some point like I just um, it didn't feel natural for me to do like a printed comic and so I started to play around with my like web skills and I end up creating this um, online interactive comic called Knowles uh, which is like nawlz.com it's still online I like I launched that like in 2008 so it's pretty old now but um, it's kind of like an online interactive thing when you click um, to sort of progress through the story and there's a soundtrack for every episode and some minimal animation and some other forms of interactivity. It's all set in a mega mega city kind of future and you like by interacting with it, you kind of um, expose these sort of hidden layers of augmented reality that all the characters in the story are kind of fiddling around with. Um, and anyway, from that, like... Um, I kind of got an email one time from like a, a programmer friend and he, uh, well, he wasn't a friend at the time. He was just a fan of the comic. And he was like, oh man, you know, like that augmented reality stuff that you do, you're talking about in your comic, you know, we could probably make that stuff. And then I checked out his work and it turned out he was just like a really fucking good programmer. And then we end up, um, that guy is Lucas Carlock. He's from Sydney and we ended up um, collaborating together and, you know, a couple of years later, we were creating like the first augmented reality comic book, and that's kind of um, 
you know, get uh, kind of put me put us in a position of being able to create some sort of high end technology interactive storytelling experiences, I suppose, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Is just continuing to build on that technology that we created together to continue to put out lots of kind of interactive storytelling and interactive art stuff. Yeah, and that's where I'm at in the present day. <laughs> nice. So you're um, like you're pretty high tech with all like with your artwork and comic comic book work. Like, were you into old school comics as well, or have you always been into sort of more um, futuristic comics? Well, yeah. So, um, I'm, like, I'm the big like the comics that I like to read are all old school, and like they're all kind of like the Katsuhiro Atomo, um, Akira comics, and Moebius um, heavy metal comics from the eighties. But um, in terms of like what I do with my own sort of <laughs> futuristic comics or whatever you want to call them, like augmented reality stuff and interactive storytelling. Like really when I got into stuff, that stuff, there wasn't a reference point. Like there isn't really too many um, interactive um, storytelling kind of comic experiences out there. And of the few that are out there, you know, all those dudes are friends now. <laughs> like we're a pretty small niche of people. Um, and, yeah, we we kind of uh, feed off each other's work. But, it, again, it's like a pretty small community. But I love the um, – I love a lot of the sort of sci-fi concepts that were coming out like in the 80s and 90s um, and I haven't really kept in touch with some some of the modern comics apart from like the stuff that friends are making really. Yeah. So um, like is that what you were doing over in Japan? You were hanging out um, doing comic book stuff and work over there or what were you, what yeah. were you there as a tourist? Um, yeah, so a bit of both. Like um, I kind of go back to Japan every year. I've got a pretty sweet um, situation where I can rent my friend's house. Uh, it's just like an hour out of Tokyo. And, um, and yeah, over the last few years, I've just been building relations with like a couple of really awesome animator friends over there. And, um, and so this time when I went over there, we got discussing um, collaborating on my uh, new augmented reality um, art book that I'm putting out. So, um, which um, which you might be involved in, I believe. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, but uh, yeah, so it was a good opportunity to catch up with those guys in person, kind of discuss how the technology works, um, give them a demonstration, and um, and then um, and then you know, kind of test out a few ideas. And uh, all of these guys are really kick-ass animators. You know, they're kind of like this the new school animators of Japan that are doing the most sort of cutting edge stuff. So it's really um, sort of fortunate to be catching up and having like such awesome dudes involved in the project and cool to be able to just hang out with these people in person. So, but I mean, before Japan, I was in America for about six weeks and before that I was in the Netherlands for a few weeks and before that I was in Finland. I kind of been traveling around the world for the last uh, six years or something. Oh, good work. So you, you um, do you work along the way or you, you just like save up and then go and then save up and then go or do you just, have you been done as one long trip? Uh, um, yeah, I'm constantly doing projects in every country. So um, yeah, a lot of the time I apply for residencies 
<clears throat> and uh, that, you know, that can uh, sometimes they cover like accommodation, give you a stipends to create a project um, and give you some resources. <clears throat> sometimes they just cover accommodation and you sort of flip the bill for the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and But other times like when I was in Finland, like I got the accommodation and that covered and then the comic centers like um, – they run a festival over there and I'll do some workshops for a day or two and have a bit of an exhibition and did the same thing in the Netherlands, did a couple of workshops and exhibited my work. So that pays for stuff and I'm always selling the books and that when I'm there as well. <clears throat> when I, I was in Austria um, at sort of last year and end up just getting a whole ton of books printed whilst I was there and and then did a couple of the Comic-Con kind of circuits but the European equivalent of Comic-Con. And, um, you know, was able to kind of do about three or four in a short period of time and, and that just like um, pays the way, like um, keep me kind of moving along. And at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm always doing freelance jobs as well. So I've got like regular um, clients in the US and Australia and uh, like I do a comic series um, in collaboration with this dude in New York uh, called The Gate Crashes and we're just about to release the... Uh, the sixth issue of that, that's a printed comic book, so not everything's high-tech that I do, but the story's really high-tech and futuristic, so I love love drawing it and kind of keeps my head in that space. And then uh, and that guy lets me go pretty wild with the colours and stuff, so, like, I love that part of it. And then um, and I'm doing projects with eye companies in Australia as well, but a lot of them are pretty flexible and, and like, I'll just work on the art and stuff while I'm away from wherever I am and then try to schedule a meeting like when we need to catch up in, in person like when I'm kind of closer to Australia or back in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like I'm back in Australia now and we're right in the middle of a very intensive creative development for a virtual reality project. So um, it's good for us to all be in the room at this early stage but after we get through this early stage, then I'll kind of go and borrow myself away and just you know spend a week doing all these crazy concepts for it. Yeah, because I've looked at your, a lot of your drawings and they they look like they'll take a, a long time. Like I'm sure you've filled a lot of sketchbooks over the years and um, you know just really got like stuck in there drawing for days with some of these pictures. Like <laughs> you know you sound pretty busy. It's almost like you're, you're drawing for a living and then doing other creative projects like based off of the drawings is. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it starts with the drawings. Um, and I kind of try to make a habit of um, drawing every single day, um, just putting a couple of hours out in the morning or in the evening. Um, this is a lot of – it's this kind of balance of kind of like a tech crossover. So I've got to learn new shit as well as we kind of adopt new technologies to tell the stories or whatever. Um but at the, at the end of the day, like the drawing remains at the core of everything that I do. And it's like um, even if it's, you know, drawing the final artwork for the project or if it's the, the early stages and I'm trying to communicate a really crazy idea, I'll sketch it up for the other people to understand and then we'll kind of troubleshoot how we're technically going to pull it off. Um, and recently I've started working with a lot of animators and pro other programmers Whereas, like, I'll draw concepts in 2D, but they'll, like, reconstruct them in 3D. 
and then um, and then they, these are for interactive experiences, and then I'll try to explain kind of like how I imagine you move through that 3D space so that it kind of captures the feeling of a story that we're trying to tell. And that's kind of this, you know, usually a new process for me, but it's all tied to the initial drawings and in all my work there's often a, like a bit of a narrative happening. Yeah. So with, um, with your prosthetic reality book, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, like who are some of the artists who got involved in that? Um, yeah, so prosthetic reality, uh, it's an augmented reality book and the idea is that um, you, uh, I've created an app and when you hold the app over the pages of the book, it comes to life with um, animation and sound design. And I've invited a bunch of artists um, from all over the world. But there are a bunch of Australian artists. So um, we've got like um, Hiroyasu Suri, also known as 2-1, um, James Girat Patradoom, uh, James Recker, um, Ghost Patrol um, from America. We've got um, uh, Mark Bodie um, from Italy. We've got Roberto Biardi. He's just a really psycho animator. Um, from Japan, we've got Masanobu uh, Hiroka, and he's like, you know, he's like sort of up the leading, like the new generation of animators. Um, yeah, so we've got a kind of pretty mixed palette of dudes involves, uh, involved in it. We've got like, um, uh, that's fair. <laughs> I can't think of everybody actually. That's a fair view off the top of my head. Yeah. But there's going to be about 40, 40 to 50 artists in there. But yeah. a lot like, and, and, some, and the, th- the, the interesting thing about the project is like uh, none of these guys really have experience in AR, uh, especially not um, the way that we, that, um, that me and Lucas have like the do AR because uh, we created our own software for producing this like very specific effect of um, sort of overlaying 2D animation um, on top of uh, these images. And so it's been a process of me kind of like collaborating with artists, sort of walking them through the process, giving them some feedback on like how to set up their files, uh, how to set up their animations, kind of giving them the lowdown of what I've found works good. And also like because I'm from, you know, these are all artists whom I'm a fan of. So like I've looked at their work over the years and I can kind of see the kinds of things that will work well in the AR and I was like, I can use their own work as a reference and say, yeah, you know what you did here, like this could work really well and then we can animate it um, animate it in this way over the top sort of thing. And, and what I'm trying to do with this project is rather than just slapping an animation over the top of an image, I want the animation to kind of interact with the image that's printed on the page. So, you know, like Hero, for example, did a skull and then when you look at it through the AR, like this snake comes out of the mouth of the skull and wraps around the head and then disappears, you know, behind the skull and that that's becomes a looping cycle. So, uh, and then with James Durat, you're looking at a picture of like this girl holding a rose, but then when you look at it through the AR, the face of the girl kind of disappears and there's a skull with sort of fiery eyes uh, hiding beneath. So there's this this kind of transition between these two states. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I've and seen, that's, seen them on your Instagram. They're they're pretty bloody cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the book. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, yeah. It's like, and for me, like as a like as a creator, like as well, like I'm just really buzzing off 
how different artists interpret, you know, that as a possibility, as a new aesthetic, really, because, you know, before now we haven't really had that opportunity to um, to kind of mix these two dimensions. I mean, we've seen animation before, but what happens with augmented reality is you kind of get the printed image um, and the printed world is kind of pretty dull in comparison to the screen. So you get this interesting aesthetic where you get a really vivid image that's represented on the screen and it's kind of interacting with this kind of more dull image. But you can also kind of fade out those elements that are on the screen so that you see the printed image beneath. And that's kind of blending and interaction is what creates this kind of new aesthetic. And, and that kind of interplay is like what I find my, most fascinating about it. And I feel like this is like we're really on the cusp of a new... Uh, kind of a new wave of art altogether and you know like shit like pokemon go which has gone pretty bananas right now from a game point of view but like we haven't seen too many examples of uh this kind of stuff in you know the art space so really uh what i want to do with this project and what i'm trying to do with my own work is like kind of try to set a standard for the world stage and like what a bunch of really awesome artists can do if they're given access to this technology so my project is all about giving them access to this technology, helping them as much as I can so that they can use it to create something really cool. Yeah. Are you getting uh, like some of the artists doing their own animation or are you helping other people, I mean, getting other people in to help do the animations? And like, how uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a combination of it. Like um, a couple of artists have, uh, have, like some artists are just going all out and doing it all themselves. Like even Hero, uh, you know, who's, who we all know um, for being pretty uh, famous street artists and doing these huge murals on walls and, you know, he's a bit of a renaissance man when it comes to all the traditional skills of sculpting and painting and in all kinds of formats but not a lot of um, history doing sort of technological driven stuff yeah. but, you know, that, that dude just sent me um, hand-drawn uh, hand drawn images which he scanned in and just sent them to me as JPEGs and so in that sense, like, I just... Um, I just imported them in for him and put them into a sequence and cut out the backgrounds and um, created the animated sequence for him. And so we got that working. And then um, he'd done it all kind of just in blue and white. And then we like, uh, I proposed adding some color to it. And he kind of gave me some direction on what kind of colors he'd want to see in there. So I just like digitally added some colors in there. So it was a collaboration in that sense. But other artists like... Um, other artists have just gone and done the full uh, animation themselves and um, and then I'd just make, like, maybe give them some tips along the way. And then for, like, we had a couple of really ambitious ideas which were beyond my animation um, sort of <laughs> capacity. So I've, I've been working with these dudes in the Dominican Republic that I did some um, animation work with before. And, like, I'd, I went over there and was hanging out with them for a few weeks doing some animation uh, project. And just kept in touch, and I, uh, they actually um, sponsored uh, my previous augmented reality comic book, so they're really into it, and they're all talented animators. So uh, we just kept in touch, and now I've been like commissioning them to um, do some of the more complicated animations. So they were involved in a, an animation with Ghost Patrol. Uh, they were involved in a character animation for Mark Bodie. And um, and now they're doing. Uh, they're involved in like an animation for um, for Yusk as well. So we've got a couple of uh, yeah, sort of couple of collaborate collaborative sort of animations happening, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, to change the subject a bit, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about 
because I've I've got had a tip off from um from uh two one about this that you're a a bit of a gun at getting art grants, <laughs> and um you know I think this is a, a subject that I've wanted like. You know, I wouldn't mind trying to get some for myself in the future, but I think a lot of uh, the listeners of the podcast would be really um, interested in finding out you know, good ways to go about getting art grants. And, yeah, it, um, it is a bit of an art form. And yeah, I've, I've yeah. had a few tips along the way. Like I've been pretty fortunate to work for organizations like Big Art, which is like a, um, you know, it's an arts organization, but also a social justice uh, company. And they've been around for 20 years and, you know, in going for grants from the government, but also in um, kind of advising the government and, you know, what is important art to uh, invest in and, and why it is. And, and you know, just through understanding that side of the process as well, I've got a bit of an insight into it. So, yeah, I guess I can like um, I can reel off a couple of things that yeah. I think are really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, firstly, like, you know, you've got to, present a, a compelling narrative about your project. It's got to be, you know, super clear um, that all of the government grants have these strict guidelines and they have these handbooks that, are, that come along uh, with, the, with every grant and often these handbooks are bigger than the grant themselves and, like, it's an absolute nightmare to kind of read through them and understand them. But often, like, you can just screw up your grant because you missed, missed, like you've messed up a te- on technicality. Yeah. So it's really important that you just go through that with a fine tooth and comb. And also, you know, one of the first things you might read in that little handbook is that you can actually call a grant officer and have a talk with them through the grant and make sure you understand everything. So yeah. I just went for a grant. I got a grant last week. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <my>, thank you. <laughs> so I got a grant last week for my prosthetic reality book. And I called them up, man, probably like three or four times. I was just handling them a lot. And um, everyone in the office probably knew me by the end of it. But um, I just wanted to make – I just didn't want to compromise on that one. Like I, it was so important that I got it because I needed – you know, I had like 40 artists already signed up for the book and I just didn't want to, you know, screw them over or anything. Like I needed to make sure this project was going to happen. So I was like being really anal about it. Um, one of the very first things that you got to do uh, for any grant is read through the support material. So in the support material, there are things like uh, including a CV and including examples of your work. But one of the most important things even before that is actually getting a support letter from someone that can validate you as an artist, as someone that is worthy of uh, the government investing in you and, can, and, and will really vouch for you. And I can't like stress how important that is because it's like this kind of, it sounds like a gentleman's club or something, like someone's nodding, nodding in your direction that let, give you entry or some bullshit. But, uh, but in reality, it's one of the first things that they look at so, I mean, for me, like having worked for Big Art, like uh, it's been, I've been fortunate to be, have the endorsement from, um, you know, colleagues at Big Art and, you know, some of the managers from Big Art, sort of in, in usually in the context of my work being sort of uh, social or community oriented or something like that. And so having a nod from an organization who's, you know, so uh, widely respected across Australia in that space of, sort of social art and community development, you know, I couldn't ask for a better sort of support letter. So 
you know, when I say include a support letter, think about the support letter in the context of the project that you're, um, that you're proposing for. So with the prosthetic reality, which is obviously a community-based um, art book project, you know, I'm, say, I'm saying that I'm developing this book in collaboration with all these artists, but I'm also creating a technological platform so that we can create a new form of artwork that the world hasn't seen before. And in doing that, you know, when you read through the criteria of what these grants are looking for, you know, they're looking for um, innovation. You know, that's a, one of the main qualities. They're looking for reach. They're looking for opportunities and the way that they interpret opportunities, whether it's creating opportunities for you as an artist or is it creating opportunities for other people. And, of course, this one is including so many artists is creating an opportunity for all these artists to work in a new sort of artistic space. For me personally, I'm growing as an artist because I get the opportunity to interact with all these high-caliber artists. So, um, you know, kind of killing two birds with one stone in that, that respect. And they've got, you know, usually they have like five kind of criterias which you've got to like make sure that you're just on point with. And of course, like some of those criterias, you're just looking at them and they go, what the hell does that have to do with my project? And then you ring them up and you say, I look, I get all the other four points, but this fifth point, I just don't understand like how that's relevant to my project. And then they'll say, oh yeah, that one's probably not relevant. So in that space, you just write this. And, and it's important to know that as well because otherwise you can look like a bit of a dummy that's just neglected to, um, to fill in that space properly or you just say some shit that's just totally off point. And I've done that before. Yeah. I've just gone, and gone with an interpretation like my own interpretation and just been way off the mark and that ends up throwing it like just you might as well just put your application in the bin sort of thing. Yeah, so you can't be uh, relaxed with your language or anything either, can you? You just... You can't just be like, oh, you know, not applicable or whatever and move on to the next one. It's not like you're filling out a form. You're Yeah. So, I mean, like some areas, like there'll be drop downs and stuff like that and you can say it's not applicable. Like there'll be an option not applicable to this grant application. Hmm. Um, but it is always good to check, like if there's an opportunity to ring them up and ask about it. And I'm pretty sure that most funding bodies offer that service. Then give them a call and just clarify. It only takes a minute to do definitely worth your time and, and hassle. Make sure you, <laughs> I actually screwed up a proposal last week when I just like, I was in Japan, got the time zones mixed up, missed the deadline by an hour and everything was online and I just had to press the damn submit button and then I just, and then I went online because I, you know, needed, I'd been in like grant writing mode for three days or whatever and then um, I just like had to take a break and I went for a walk, it came back logged in to submit it and I couldn't log in. I was like, what the heck is going on? And then I realized that I, the time time limit was up and I was oh, like, man. no. <laughs> like, oh. and, uh, and I emailed them straight away and I was like, oh, man, I'm not asking for an extension. Just please accept it. Like, it's all there. I'm not asking to add anything else. Just someone press submit, please. And they're just like, you know, uh, in respect of all the other artists that have submitted on time, we cannot offer you this extension and blah, blah, blah. We cannot change the rules just for you sort of thing. And I was like, you know, this is the kind of technicality that will come and bite in the ass. So, oh, man, what a kick in the guts. Yeah, yeah. And in that regard, like, you know, I'm not totally defeated because I know that I've done all the hard work to pull together a decent enough proposal and now I've just got to find somewhere else to submit it to, yeah. which is a little bit of a, a, a nuisance. But, um, 
you know, there's other funding bodies out there. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to give up on the idea just yet. So, how, like, so going back a few steps, like, sure. if you if you're going for, say, when you want to, you've got this idea. You go, oh, gee, I've, I've got this idea. Like, you know, I want to, I need to get funding for it because there's no way I could do it off out of, you know, I don't have enough money to do it or I'm trying to, I'd need to work too much and the project would never get done. Like, how, like, where do you find the grants? Do you just go online? Do you go on the government website or like how, do, how Yeah, do this, so, I mean, if you go so to... I, I, don't, I know nothing about this. So Okay, so if, I mean... <laughs> Um, like I'm talking, uh, well, obviously, uh, you know, if you're looking for an arts grant, for example, you can go search for, you know, arts grants in Australia and you're going to get led to like Australia Council, which is the national body for grants. But obviously when you're applying to the national body, the pool of, um, competition is a lot larger. So then you can also look for the state body. Um, I'm over in WA right now, so like um, the, the Department of Culture and Arts for Western Australia is the grant body that I can apply for um, because I live in WA. And um, you know, in Melbourne, you can go for the Victorian Arts, and you know, New South Wales has their own arts grants. And then there's lots of other smaller ones, um, and there's like Grant Finder websites. Um, that you can use to find more specific ones and you can also subscribe to these and you get a newsletter every like couple of weeks so they just announce new kind of grants for different things. If you're going for business grants or commercial development grants then there's business like uh, like Australian business um, websites to go for those grants. I haven't been for those ones but um, again it's just like doing your research, finding the thing that seems applicable to um, to your project, whatever it is, and then if there's a chance to call up someone, just like that should probably be read through the grant first so you've got some context when you talk to the people but then give them a buzz and kind of talk through it, make sure that the project that you're proposing is, um, is you know, eligible. Yeah. And do you have a, a technique that you stick with or is, a, is every grant different that you go for? First thing I do every single time is just start lining up my support letters yeah. So I'll reach out to those people straight away mm. and say, you know, I've got to submit this grant in three weeks. Can you get me a support letter within a week and a half sort of thing? Yeah. Because I don't want to get to the deadline and not have a support letter because it's just not even worth submitting. Yeah. Okay, so that's number one. And then as for the um, as for the, the grant it's itself, it's just a matter of like, okay, you know you want to do your project but you also got to make sure that you're communicating to their criteria. So you've got to skew your your proposal so that it it checks off each um, of the usually like four or five things on their main criteria. Yeah. They have like the qualities that they look for, and so everything that you write should be addressing should be kind of like when they read it they they are going oh yeah he's addressing this quality he's you know he's checked this box off. So that's. That's like the, the second thing. I usually like print those out and just stick them on the wall in front of me and then I'll be writing away and I'll look up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've got that sussed. And, uh, and so that's always a good checklist as well. Yeah. So, so when, you, when you mentioned um, off the recording before about the, the language you have to use when, when doing a grant, is that what you mean? Like the language where you're tying in all the, uh, the bits and pieces that they've put in the, you know, the grant? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, which, 
Let me just have a quick look. Um, <laughs> maybe I've got the uh, the document right here in front of me somewhere. Yeah. Because um, yeah, let's have a look here. DCA. Yeah. Some people yeah. might find this really boring, but um, I think for the people out there who are uh, you know looking to apply for grants or have applied for grants and haven't got them in the past, I think this would be really valuable information for them. Yeah, I can't find it. Um, yeah. Oh, wait up. Here we got one. So, yeah, like I'm looking at like a scholarship and fellowship uh, uh, PDF at the moment. And, uh, you know, right in the first category, there's, um, there's eligible activities. So that's like obviously you want to read that to see if the activity that you're going for is even eligible, like your project is even eligible. And then um, in the second section, there's key components of a grant application. So they really try to like walk you through every step of the way. Mm. And what they have in there is they ask you like core questions. Then they ask you for financial information and your budgets have got to be tight. Like you can't um, kind of, you, you know, if like for example, with your budgets. So if you're going to say that you're going to work on it personally like um, for four weeks, then that rate that you quote yourself as um, has to be according to um, the NAVA rates. Um, uh, NAVA is the um, the Australian kind of recommendation for um, rates of artists working, like an hourly rate for a media artist or any kind of artist. And so you would just say in the notes associated to that section that you're referencing the NAVA website's um, rates and then you and you'd put a link in there. And if you don't put that stuff, they're like, you're just making this quote up. And then that makes you look like you're not financially responsible. Yeah. And if you, if you reference, like if you're going to get a book uh, printed or something and that's your project, you've got to uh, supply a quote from a printing house. And it doesn't need to be the printing house that you're going to go to go with in the end. It can be any old printing house. But you just submit that quote as a part of your support material so that they know that you are making this figure up and that it's a legitimate quote and that's how much it costs. Mm -hmm. And so things like that. And then, um, and then obviously, yeah, so there's the uh, assessment criteria and weighting. So assessment criteria, uh, I'm just going to read off like a couple of things in this one, for example. It's like imagination, authenticity, originality, excellence, captivation. And then next to these like, little uh, sort of key words, they, um, you know, they'll say index imagination, they'll say definition is the extent to which the work explores new possibilities or views. Um, so this is all under quality. This is how they measure quality. And then the second big thing is reach. And when they talk about reach, is like, is it reaching a diverse group of people? Is it a platform that allows you to reach more people? Is it a collaboration? Is it going to um, leverage some way? Is it leveraging off a festival? Is it lever leveraging off an event? Um, and then the, the third assessment criteria is good planning, and that's when, like, have you, in you know, included all your support material? Have you got your finances in there? That kind of shit. Um, yeah, those are those are really it. Like, but you will see those listed in the handbook, and those are the things that you just want to keep in mind as you're writing your grant. Yeah. And I'll, right, I'll tell, you, tell you something else real trippy that I learned. Like um, <laughs> this is a real mind blower. But like 
So one of my projects that I did in the past was uh, Neomad comic. And for this project, like, we worked with all these um, Aboriginal kids up in northern Western Australia. And a lot of these kids were going through the juvenile justice system. And, like, one of the things we realized whilst doing research for that project was the cost for one kid to go through the juvenile justice system for the year costs, like, $70,000. Bloody hell. It's insane. And yeah. for an adult to go through the justice system, like for an adult to be in a prison uh, every year is 150000 bucks. If that's what it costs. That's like a wicked salary for a person, right? Yeah. So this is a crazy thing, right? So suddenly you've got a tangible figure for what it costs the government if a kid screws up and has to go through the juvenile justice system, 70000 bucks a year per kid. So suddenly we've got a figure that we can put in our proposal, well, hey, you know, we're going to be working with 20 kids over three months for this many hours every week and that's going to cost, that's going to save you X amount of dollars, like do the maths, figure out exactly the amount and then you can go and I only want half of that for my project or I only want a quarter of that and it will still be like 100000 bucks. Yeah. You know, because like $70,000 times, you know, 25 kids and then you divide that by the three months of the year that you're going to be working with the kids, it's still a big chunk of coin. But from the government's point of view, and the government are the ones that are reading this proposal, they're going, hey, wait a minute. Shit, they're going to save us 500,000 bucks. And we only have to give them 50,000. You know, it's like that's a very favorable project in their eyes. And I mean, you know, this is coming from the point of view of like this was a kind of a specific project you know, community development, social arts project. But as a result of that, though, we were able to create Neomad, which is a, you know, a commercial art project. I mean, a commercial product. It's like it's a comic book that's being sold in comic comics book stores all across Australia. It's an interactive iPad app that's being sold on the Apple Store. So in that sense, like the product that we wanted to create by the end of the project wasn't like a, you know, is you know, from an outsider point of view, they don't see so much the community development aspect. They just see a kick-ass kind of enjoyable action comic. And then when they learn more about it, then they like, oh, holy shit, all these kids are involved in this project and suddenly it has more substance and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, for the majority of people, it's just a real fun uh, comic book. Yeah. You know, if if you're going for a proposal that is like a social art or communal community development type of project, and you can find that kind of interesting ingredient that kind of spells out very clearly to the government like a way that <laughs> your project is going to save them money and that's one reason to invest into it, but it's going to do it in a creative and exciting way that creates opportunity for like people. In this context, it was creating all these, these opportunities for these young people to be involved in a creative project that keeps them occupied for a period of three months and ultimately keeps them out of trouble. But, you know, also as a result of this project, like, you know, some of those kids have gone on to be in national touring theatre shows. Uh, Some of them have been invited to Korea for like a a comic uh, festival over there. And so really it started to forge pathways for these young people that they could become, you know, the next creators. And and from our point of view, uh, it was like, you know, these are the kids that were, um, were on their way to, you know, early prison sentences. Yeah. One of the kids actually missed a um, court appearance because he was in Canberra meeting the Prime Minister. Hmm. 
and the, and then when he went back to the court and my wife was there in the court with him and the judge asked him like oh um where were you you know why did you miss your court appearance and he's like oh I was I was in um I was in Canberra meeting the prime minister and the judge is like what why do you get to meet the prime minister and he's like oh well like I'm in this theater show now and I'm I'm playing the role of John Pat and and the judge like or for those who don't know, John Pat was a young Indigenous boy that died in a police cell about 20 years ago, and that particular death um, launched a uh, a royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody, and it was like a really important case, and it's the it was one of it's one of those cases that you have to learn about to become a judge. So the judge is like mind is being blown right now as this kid is telling him that he's playing the role of John Pat in a national touring theatre show. So at that point he's like, what is going on? Can someone please explain to me what's happening here? And then my wife sort of stood up and explained, you know, we work for this art organisation called Big Art and, um, you know, we've been working with this kid for the last three months and he was in this comic book and then as a part of the comic book they did a little short film and then as a result of that short film a director saw his performance and thought he was just awesome and then he got casted in this theatre show which ended up you know touring the whole of Australia and now the kid's like being casted in a film (laughs) and it's just like um, that judge he was about to send that kid to juvenile prison and instead of sending him to juvenile prison, he ended up sending him to work with us for three months Yeah, and he put in this condition that if you, um, like you're, I'm going to send you to work with these guys for another three months and at, I want you to keep a diary and at the end of these three months I want you to come back to the court and present your diary and then I'm going to decide if you're going to go to prison or not. And so... We were like, okay, thank you, thank you, went away for three months. My wife decided to just document him over that time and this was during the theatre show and everything and created this beautiful little short film of him talking about what he's up to, talking of capturing his performances on stage, capturing like his really nervous moments before he went on stage and cut that into just like a little three-minute film, went back to the courthouse like three months later and actually like projected it on the wall in the courtroom and the judge came and sat next to this kid and watched it with him and by the end of it like the the judge was teary-eyed and so proud of the kid and he's just like you know what just forget about it just drop all the charges and the kid was like let off and I mean the kid should never have been going to prison in the first place or like because it was just such petty crime shit but yeah. like it's just like proves the point of like give these kids an opportunity to do something and you know <laughs> magical stuff can happen just yeah. with the smallest opportunities really. So uh, that was kind of a bit of bit of a godsend, but case study for to prove the point of like the power of these kinds of projects and you know we'll continue to reference that story when we go forward to go for more grants and stuff in the future. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, you got to. Uh... Got to get that one in as many grants as possible. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, nice one. Well, we might uh, we might leave it there. Sure, but, um, but where where online can people see some of your work? Because uh, yeah, we spoke a lot about the argumented reality work and just all the other comic book stuff you've done. Um, I know you've got a lot of different places out there, but where's the best place for people to to check out your work? 
Yeah, so I suppose like if you want to see regular updates, follow the Instagram account, Sutu Eats Flies. So that's S-U-T-U Eats Flies, kind of stupid handle for an account, but it's what I'm rolling with at the moment. And I'm using it also for my website, which is SutuEatsFlies.com. And then like, yeah, i got a bunch of other websites like Novels.com, which I mentioned earlier. That's a free online comic. You can check that out and then modernpolaxis.com. But all of these other projects you can get to from sutueatsflies.com. So go there first and then you can check out a bunch of my other projects. And a lot of them are free online to check out because they've been paid for by grants. So they live online for free. And, um, yeah, you can lose hours of your life trying to go through them all. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of work out there. I'll also uh, put some links up on the on the website, and I'll uh, I'll put some of the, the the clips up of the comic book on uh, on Instagram too. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for sitting down for a chat, and thanks for all the the useful information. I feel like um, I've got a lot of notes to uh, to take. <laughs> You're armed and ready. You yeah. can go into the battle now. Yeah. Yeah. Good I'm, luck, uh, man. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've got, a, I've got some a really big grant I'm working on. It's not art related, but it's, um, you know, I, I, I uh, need to gear up for that because I want to give it a good shot and and only have to do it once, hopefully. <laughs> rinse, <laughs> rinse them out. Yeah, yeah. So th- <laughs> thanks a lot, and um, yeah, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much, man. I'll no, talk to you soon. Okay. Check out the Bench Talk website benchtalkpodcast.com there you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the the podcast you can subscribe to the show on itunes on the podcast app you can also listen on soundcloud just search for bench talk and don't forget to follow us on instagram bench underscore talk thanks and i look forward to you tuning in again next week see ya